Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 91st episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And I am joined, as always, by Jeff Simmons, who is not in Canada, everybody. Alert. The uh, Canadians have invaded the states. Uh, I believe you are you're in the states somewhere. I don't know if you're going to reveal your location. Probably the furthest possible point away from you. I am down in Florida visiting oh. my parents, and it's great weather here. It's probably the first time you can see my face clearly and hear me in a while. So clearly, America has something figured out that we haven't got yet in Canada. <laughs> but yeah. It's nice to be in a place where everyone wants to talk football all the time. So that's kind of the mode I've been in. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's nice to see and hear you um, without interruption so far. Um, and uh, going to hopefully be joined by Mr. Ernst here in a little bit. Um, sending a couple notes now. But uh, we got a, a bunch to cover. I mean, I know it's the off season and, and uh, folks go through <laughs> folks go through uh, a little withdrawal with Seahawks news. Um, we do have some Seahawks news to talk about. We'll probably start there. Um, but then we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the NFC West and where the rest of the teams in this division stand and how we feel about their potential for improving or falling back next season um, and then go through a little bit of, a, of a, uh, off-season priorities and position group priorities. So uh, with that, uh, let me j- welcome in Nathan Ernst, he of the 
large and appreciated headsets to keep sound quality at the <clears throat> utmost uh, quality. We have we have high standards here. How you doing, Nathan? Pretty good, pretty good. Can you hear me? We could hear you just fine, man. How okay. could I not hear you with those headphones, man? I, I don't know. I hope they work good. I use them all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Um, so uh, just talking to Jeff about, um, you know, some of the topics we'll go over tonight. And um, one of the things that, that I think is kind of worth starting with is Seahawks, as far as I know, are the first team to sign a free agent. Um, and that news broke this week. Um, one tight end named Greg Olson, uh, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, was being recruited by the Washington Redskins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Seahawks. And interestingly, the two other teams that were recruiting him have connections to Olson, um, former Carolina connections, um, Ron Rivera, uh, former coach. Um, and, and I, uh, I think GM or something of that effect in, in, uh, in Buffalo, but in any event, um, Olson bucked both of those former, former coaches or former, um, connections and his East coast bias and decided to come all the way to the great Northwest to sign with the Seahawks one year deal, $7 million, I believe five and a half million dollars guaranteed. So, um, Jeff, let's start with you. What was your reaction to the news? Um, what do you think it means for the Seahawks? Uh, my first reaction was I was excited, and it was nice to see that Seattle can recruit a free agent again. You mentioned they were going up against teams with connections to Olson. Rivera is the coach in Washington. You mentioned the GM, the coach of the Bills. McDermott also coached Olson for a couple of years in Carolina as well. So there was a lot of teams that knew him well. Then I saw the price and I was a little taken back by the price. 7 million was more than I thought Olsen would get based on his age, his injury history, his durability. But when you consider that he had a lot of TV opportunities, plus three teams going after him, I understood that there probably was a bidding war and his agent seemed to have done a good job, but big picture from the Seahawks. I think it's really good. They were able to hedge Disley going into this draft. This isn't a great tight end class and they could able to focus on their other needs and, in a year that we're all hoping they spend free agent money, it's good to see that they can recruit against their teams early on. Uh, Nathan, how about you? I mean, where where were you? Um, where were your emotions when you saw that Olson signed, and then what were your emotions when you saw the 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 contract he signed for? Uh, I think it was, hey, cool, and then oh, uh, I mean, it's kind of a lot uh i mean with guarantees and everything i think it's less right they only actually have like five million or something like that guaranteed mm -hmm. um but you know like jimmy graham still tops the tight end market right now at 10 million a year um and so seven million is not chump change for a tight end that's legit uh but there are a lot of uh tight ends that are up for contracts this this offseason and so you know, we'll see if if Hooper and it's a Kittle or Kelsey that's up. Kittle, right? I think he has one year left, but Hunter Henry is also about to get paid a lot too. Yep. Yeah. So there's talk about a, a Kittle extension. There's Hunter Henry. There's Austin Hooper. So you know, Eric there's, Ebron's uh, out Eric there. Eric Ebron. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of those guys aren't exactly world beaters, but 
you know, it, maybe Hooper's going to end up getting 13, 14 million or something like that. And then 7 million is going to look a lot different. But yeah, there was a little bit of sticker shock right off the bat. Um, but, you know, it's a one year deal. You know, he's Greg Olson. Um, so it was cool to see that they got him. Yeah. I mean, for folks that are curious about it, I mean, I, I, I didn't have much reaction to the contract value at all. It seemed totally reasonable to me for, I mean, I, I think the five or five and a half million guaranteed is the number I look at because if he's healthy and he plays the season, I don't think that there's any doubt that he's going to be a $7 million worth $7 million a year. I don't think that his, his skills have eroded to the point where he's, he's not capable of um, being a, you know, 30 catch tight end if you need him to be um, in this offense, which is quite a bit. But he's like, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten tight ends that um, right now have greater than seven million dollars average per year. Let's put him at eleven. I'd expect Eric Ebron to to top it. I'd expect certainly Austin Hooper to top it. Um, you know, there might be one or two others. So you're probably talking about it. It's top fifteen single year contract um, in terms of total guarantees it's way 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 down on that list because um, it's only for a single year so um i think it's a i think it's a nice deal uh and i think that it's a really good hedge against will disley's health who we also got news um that broke that they're expecting him back for week one um we didn't get confirmation that that meant he was going to be practicing and training camp so that he could play in week one or just, you know, um, what that really meant. But uh, that seems to align with what we've heard before about, about uh, Disley's, his injury was not as bad as, as initially thought. We got that news pretty early on after he, he got surgery and we've had nothing but good reports since then. So, Let's for a second just talk about, let, let's assume the best um, for a second, then we'll assume the worst and see which we feel more, you know, is more realistic. Uh, I think we probably all agree that they're going to keep restricted free agent Jacob Hollister, um, you know, for whatever that's going to cost. Um, if you don't, you know, feel free to speak up. But let's assume that they're going to have um, Greg Olson, Will Disley, and Jacob Hollister. How do you guys feel about that as a tight end group? Are you done? Um, do you need more? Do you feel good about it? Uh, where are you at, Nathan? I'm good with it. I don't know that the team will be. I mean, they've done a lot with Fant, um, you know, ostensibly as a tight end. And and none of those guys, I mean, just so I guess, but they want him out running routes and stuff too, I would assume. So, uh, I don't know if the team will be good with it, uh, if, if they won't look to replace Fant or keep Fant in that role somehow, but I'm happy with those three. Jeff, I mean, do you think that, that, that where, you know, how good of a tight end group could that be? I'm assuming all three are healthy on the positive side. Yeah. I think it's probably the best tight end group that Russell Wilson's ever had. And I think it's potentially – when, when Disley went out and when Disley was really playing well last year, their offense, that was when their offense was at its best. And once Hollister came, Hollister did an admirable job for a guy who's pretty undersized for the position, but the middle of the field just became a difficult spot for them. If you have both of them going, Olsen's, if you watch Olsen's film, there's been a lot of videos on Twitter that have surfaced. 
that's where he's really at his best on kind of those crossing routes. And he can't, he kind of factors in really well and complements what DK and Lockett do really, really well. Cause it kind of covers you in all areas. And now you look at, they just weren't the same without Disley. And now that you have two guys who can do that and they kind of hedge each other. I think that really opens up the complete passing game. That's an area where they just weren't comfortable, especially in the quick game. How many times last year do we say, bring back the quick game, bring back the quick game. After Disley went out, they were never able to do that really again. And I think having both those guys can really open that door. And I think they can just unleash Russell at the level we saw him play last year. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of folks feel like Olsen, you know, was was down last year. <laughs> he played 14 games. He had 52 receptions, 600 yards, um, only a couple touchdowns. Um, and he certainly like 2017, 2018, he had some injury issues, uh, that he battled through, but he also had, you know, a rookie quarterback passing to him last year. Um, you know, their offense was kind of a mess. So I don't think those numbers are that terrible. Um, he turns 35 this year. Um, you know, Delaney Walker as a comparison, um, is 36, uh, and is making eight and a half million per year. Um, so I don't think it's completely out of the ballpark. I think a guy like Jason Witten um, is 38 and making four and a quarter million. So, you know, that's kind of a, a range of, you know, some productive older tight ends. Delaney Walker last year had 21 catches for 215 yards and two touchdowns year before he had four catches for 52 yards. So, I mean, I think when you're talking about some of these, these better, you know, um, uh, Olsen's been a, was a pro bowler in three straight years. Um, you know, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium. Yeah. Um, how, how concerned are you guys with uh, his ability to stay healthy? If let's say Will Disley goes down again, let's go worst case scenario. Um, is Greg Olson a guy that can be your number one tight end? He can be. I don't love relying on that though like uh the, the there is not a track record of tight ends over 35 being particularly productive um like you said he missed a lot of games uh not last year but the two years before that uh, missed a lot of games so uh, it's a risky group like the upside is there if if there's health and you know especially out of disley um but it's not hard to see them relying on Jacob Hollister around week six again. Yeah. Traditionally you don't hedge a uh, injury prone guy with a 35 year old guy with injuries and concussions. That's well, typically not the roster strategy, but yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I got to jump in. Cause I'm curious, Jeff. So would you have wanted them to go in on Austin Hooper or someone who is less injury still on the older side, um, pushing 30 or maybe he's, you know, over 30, I, I think, but, um, uh, but he's going to cost at least 10 million a year, at least probably yeah. 11 or 12. Would you have been happier to know that they had pushed money to secure this position that way or use that money elsewhere? Yeah. I think if all things were equal, ideally they would get a younger, better player, but given the needs they have and at right tackle and on defense, I think the fact that they were able to save some money, create more money with if they remove Dixon, I think that was a really good strategy for them, that they could save some money, address it here, and then have the savings they would need to spend on a Hooper or Henry 
and allocate it to other areas of the team because the team just has a lot of needs. When we went through the position groups, we didn't even think that there were that many groups that were that strong going into the offseason. So the fact that they still have four or five extra million they can allocate elsewhere, I think that's really important for where this team is now. I mean, Hooper actually doesn't turn 26 until November. Oh, is it 20? He's that, he's that young? Yeah. Uh, so if we're talking 10, 11, 12 million for Hooper, I think I do like that better than Olsen. I mean, just considering he's been more productive, age, I mean, all that. Like, I think then Hooper's kind of the easy way to go. If he's starting to be more around 13, 14, 15 million, then I'm fine with the, the Olsen thing. So it's going to be really interesting, right? Like, if uh, you know, we get to the end of this offseason and Jimmy Graham is still like top five or top three in the tight end uh, salary you know, rankings. And I think this Olsen signing looks quite a bit more questionable. So I just want to make sure I understand you right. So you you would have, let's say it is 10, 11, 12 million a year for, uh, you know, it's going to be at least three or four year contract for Hooper. You know, you're talking probably 25 to 30 million guaranteed, I would guess. Um, maybe 20 to 25, something somewhere in that range. Um, you'd rather have seen them put that kind of emphasis in the cap to this position um, than use it elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I've been okay with it. I, I don't know if that's optimal or whatever, but like, uh, yeah, I would have been more than happy to, to see them do that. Well, tell me why. Where obviously that the implication there, Nathan, is that tight end is is pretty high on your priority list for the the off season to improve. Uh, I mean, I think getting more pass catchers is pretty high on the list, and uh, seeing what Russ and Disley were able to do, um, you know, with Disley's status being so questionable, having a guy like Hooper, who you know can replicate a lot of what Disley can do as a pass catcher. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, maybe if you go Lockett, Metcalf, Disley, Hooper, then receiver becomes a little bit less of a priority, right? And you can maybe get by with something else on the cheaper end up there. So, I mean, it's kind of pushing things around. I mean, you know, Hooper, uh, he doesn't have the name recognition and, and you know, but he caught 75 balls for 780 yards last year. Oh, right? yeah. He is, he is definitely a, a quality receiving tight end. Um, yeah, he's a, it. he's a good player. So, um, yeah, I, I would have been, especially if we're talking 10, 11 million, then yeah, I mean, sign me up there. No question. One thing jumped out to me. Um, I can't remember who did the video on NFL.com yesterday. It's either Pelsero or Garofalo, but the thing they said, and they said, Russell really wanted them to do this deal. And that kind of jumped out to me as a, that's kind of how they really haven't operated in the past. And we've talked about. I remember like there was those tweets around the Super Bowl where Russell and Olsen were kind of going back and forth. I wonder how much that factored in because those guys came out and those guys know all the agents came out and said this was really Russell oriented. Do you have a point of view on that, Nathan? You look like you're ready to speak. No, I was uh, taking a sip of my drink. But I am excited at the idea that Russell is trying to I mean, it's a little double-edged sword on this one. Like, uh, part of this, like, kind of reminds me of when LeBron, like, demanded that they go get Shaq, and Shaq was, like, 40, and 
<laughs> well over 40 pounds overweight. Like, so, I mean, cool. I'm really glad that they're listening to Russ and that he's making noise about passing more and stuff. I don't know about like uh, allowing that to get you into a three-team bidding war where you end up paying, you know, an old tight end that much money. But again, like, I mean, really, like, I, I kind of am, am trusting that Schneider has a better idea of what the tight end market is going to look like than I do. Uh, and so I assume that some of these guys like Cooper are going to be much more towards 15 million than 10 million. And so then who knows? But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I guess where I come out on this and why I was just pretty much satisfied with this is one, it's a one-year deal. So there, this is not a, this is not going to make or break the Seahawks over the next three years. Um, you know, uh, two, I have an unrealistic, probably a hope that Will Disley is going to find injury stability um, or health stability, maybe is a better way to put it. And is going to be like one of the better tight ends in football. And um, I just believe that. <laughs> against all odds i believe that and um and three like i think greg olson's a i think greg olson's a pretty good tight end like I, I i still i think the way he's going to be used with russell as a quarterback compared to even cam newton like i i think there's reasonable upside for what greg olson can contribute so to me it seems like the right balance but most importantly is that I want them to have money, not just this year in the cap, but in future years for guaranteed money over multiple years to be able to apply to what I consider higher priorities um, for the team. Like I, if you had gone out and got Austin Hooper, but then you re, you, you know, from a right tackle perspective, you get some like bargain basement guy or you get like one good defensive lineman and another bargain basement guy. I would be frustrated. Like I, I would much would rather would much rather get the news that they go out and sign Jack Conklin, whatever the price may be, um, or that they go out and sign two of the top ten free agent defensive linemen. Um, you know, basically to me, like this offseason will be successful, um, largely be successful if they sign a quality starting right tackle and two of the top 10 defensive linemen like that to me is what I want to see. And, and they have the money to do it. That's, <laughs> that's a high bar. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. They have the money that the players are out there, but like uh, that's a, that's a massive, massive off season if they do that. And are you saying, is your skepticism I'm hearing that the Seahawks will try to do that or that the players will agree to come to Seattle or, or where's that, where, where's your, where's that coming from? I, it's not even skeptic. It's not skepticism. I, I, I assume Seattle will try to do that. Like, I just think that if you're putting that as like the bar for having a quality or a good off season, like that's a, that's a high bar. I'm just stating facts is all. Like, that's a that's a real high bar. If, if there's an area to be skeptical, it's probably right tackle based on how yes. they've done things. I think that's super important. If they really want to make the offense a priority, they have to do that. But based on their history of offensive linemen, geez, it's hard to accept. It's hard to expect that. But there's a little bit of hope with Conklin, right? Because Conklin is a fantastic run blocker as well. So that's why okay. I like Gulaga. 
Yeah, I mean, they could like, yeah, Bulaga's got got Green Bay connections. So like either one of those guys, Bulaga, I have a little concern because of his injury challenges he's had. Um, he hasn't been quite as durable, but my God, if you have either one of those guys as your right tackle instead of Jermaine Effetti, how much does that improve your team relative to Austin Hooper versus Greg Olson? Probably quite a bit. Um, I mean, one of the things to consider here, and I'm kind of trying to go through it and think of who this might apply to, but like Seattle has a ton of cap this year, but eventually they will probably have to pay some of their own players that are currently cheap. Uh, And so just because you can spend $60 million in uh, free agency this year doesn't mean that that's not going to create a cap crunch for you down the road, right? There's a couple areas where that kind of works, though. Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Bobby. Yep. Those guys are going to flip off in the next couple of years. And they haven't drafted well. So that's another kind of good area here. There's not <laughs> a lot of people to pay. So. Uh, John Schneider Galaxy Brain drafting is going to pay off. Yeah, I mean, the only one that comes to mind, though, in terms of, like, who has to get paid is Quill. Yeah, that's the big one. Yep. And DK eventually, but... Because DK eventually he's three years and yeah. and lock it in you know is another two or three years away and um yeah well, I, I mean, know they're the good young players on the team hopefully not Chris Carson like we're yeah. all like, KJ's coming off it. soon McDougal's coming off yeah Brid Diggs um, he's still gone for two years I thought it was one more year this and then one year after. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. I thought it was just this coming season. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, um, these are foundational moves. And uh, I mean, that's why, I mean, we talked about it last time, but um, I am so much more willing to take risk at center than I am at right tackle or either guard position or, um, you know, even tight end. Like, uh, you know, so uh that's probably the, the least likely thing that I really, really want to happen, which is having them cut Justin Britt um, and shift that cap money somewhere else. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just, I am, <laughs> I am going to be really fixated on them signing anyone but Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. I would take George Fant. Um, but then if you get George Fant, then the, 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 like, the expectations go up even more for where he's been. Then all of a sudden I start wanting two top defensive linemen and maybe a, a good cornerback um, in free agency. Like you start having more money to spend if you're talking George Fant instead of a guy like Conklin. Um, so, well, so, so who were, so put some names to this. Who are the guys? So Conklin, is that your right tackle? Conklin and Bulaga, Conklin, Bulaga and Fant are the guys that, um, you know, for me, are are the uh, right tackles I'd be interested in. And do you just take whoever's cheapest there, or is it is there some amount more you'd spend for Conklin? And I'd spend more guys, for so. Conklin because he's younger. Um, I think more well rounded and more durable. So let's say you get Conklin. Then who are the two defensive linemen? This is I'm pretty I'm actually pretty flexible on this one. Like, does it feel like they're not going to sign Clowney? Anyone else have that feeling? I'm starting to get that feeling. There's too many good defensive linemen, I think, for them to splurge on Clowney. That's what I think. I, I the more we get closer, I think there's no way it's happening. No way. 
I just know I'm way. getting that feeling. I don't know. I feel like he's chasing money and there's so many guys out there. They can replace that. I will say this. Um, I will be okay if they don't sign Janavian Clowney as long as they sign two other blue chip defensive linemen. Like, here's the thing. Like, uh, for me, uh, I mean, w- w- I'll go through a couple defensive linemen. Eric Armstead. Um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm pulling up. Like couple. Everson Griffin got. Re- he avoided- I'm not an Everson Gris- Griffin. Yeah, I want to know here. I would like. I like Quinn. But he's... It's actually kind of interesting to just try to rank Clowney. That yeah. kind of set aside the money for a minute and assume everybody from like Clowney and Griffin down to Barrett are going to be in a reasonably similar range, yeah, right? Fowlers out well, you've, got, look, you've got you've got Eric Armstead, you've got Chris jo- so Eric Armstead, Yannick, and Shaquille Barrett on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then on that the water. inside, you've got Chris Jones. Um, you've got uh another name that's kind of interesting but not great but is jordan phillips i don't know if you guys have looked at him from buffalo at all i think he's a little bit of a jaron reed from last year so you're probably buying high on him but he is worth a look um but i mean interior guys are a little harder to find so like chris jones is going to be you know at a premium hargrave will get a lot of money you think so yeah Yeah, he's young DJ Reader will get a lot of money. But Reader and Phillips for sure are not pass rushers. No, no, they're well, Phillips, maybe Phillips had nine and a half sacks last year. Yeah, but he is it's he Jared is a Reed. Reed yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. The group that's interesting is the Quinn, Fowler, Griffin. They're kind of the same, more of like the 12, 14 million versus 20. Well, but th- that's why I kind of I, I like the idea of getting a I mean, if I had to really choose. High quality defensive end, high quality defensive tackle, and then bargain basement, like bargain shop for another defensive end. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, find a vet for, I mean, there are so many guys out there. I mean, I don't know what Shaq Lawson will go for, but he's an interesting young defensive end. Um, I think could be a promising rotational guy. Um even we've talked about Vinnie Curry, we've talked about, uh, you know, even guys like Michael Brockers, you know, he's an interior guy, but like, um, there's some guys that I think could be affordable. Um, <laughs> it'll be really interesting what Jaron Reed gets. Cause like you tweeted out, uh, uh, Nathan, that pro football focus spend, you have $10 to spend chart, right? He wasn't even on it, right? They had $5 guys, $4 guys, $3, $2, $1 guys. Jaron Reed wasn't even on there. Like, yeah, I, I think he's in for a route. He is, he is, uh, I would say 98% chance he is headed towards a one year deal because he's going to be out there thinking he's going to get paid and he's going to be really disappointed. Doesn't, the, what's hard about that is I don't feel like players who end up in that situation go back to their team. Typically. Mm, agreed. I have no idea if that's true or not. I could be no, totally I, wrong. I, no, you're right. They typically want a new situation, those prove-it deals. Yeah. And there's always, I think, just some bitterness. Like, I, I oh, you know, Reed put up double digits. Okay, I'm not going to come back to you for a, a year, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, 
I think that he'll, I have a feeling Jaron Reed will be back. That's my guess. Um, but it's not a priority from my perspective, for sure. Like, I think that they can go elsewhere. So, I mean, there's been some debate among Seahawks fans about whether <laughs> offensive line or defensive line should be the top priority. Like, day one of free agency, you guys know, like, big name, just go, go, go. So who are your man crushes that, like, you're like, oh, my God, if they can only get – these two guys or these three guys like in what order where like is it which position group are you just like god they've got to get somebody great here and and is there like one or two guys where it doesn't even matter if they're like everyone else agrees with you but you just like you want to hear their name called and as signed as a seahawk anyone qualify there I mean, I'll tell you guys, like, Clowney is one of those names for me. Like, I, I don't think – he's a guy – Eric Armstead, I think, is a better defensive end and, you know, game to game, um, pass rush, um, run balance, um, so to speak. But if you had to have one guy that could destroy a game – for an opponent like it's clowny it's not armstead like his ability to take over a game just he, he's not if you can figure out how to tap into him he is unlike any of the other players available in, in the defensive free agent class yeah plus i just like the guy so i even though he had a small sack year last year um i would be happy to hear that they signed him well if you do you got to get a speed rusher on the other side what are you smiling about there, Ernst? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> Clowney's a uh, small sack here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, mine's a weird one. Um, I, I like Clowney. Uh, he would be cool to see come back. Um, I have two that are the, – the two that I, I really like just as players are not actually – well, one of them is, one of them not. Uh, super great fits. Uh, Byron Jones would be amazing. Um, uh, He's gonna I, be spendy, dude. Oh yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't prioritize him for Seattle. I don't think they'll get him. Like, kind of just unrelated, just uh, you know, uh, team agnostic. Byron Jones is gonna be my number one guy there. Uh, but then more specific to Seattle, AJ Green um, would be really, really, really cool. Uh, I have no idea what he's got left or, or anything like that, but like. That would be one that would get me really excited. Um, Jeff, before we get to some of your names, some other edge rushers that we didn't mention, like there's such a long list. We, we talked about Shaquille Barrett. There's Dante Fowler. There's Bud Dupree. Uh, Mario Addison's 32, um, but is like he's like one of those professional pass rushers. Uh, Marcus Golden. Matt Judon is an interesting name. Um, a lot of people don't know. Uh, um Kyle Van Noy, I mean, not the guy I would probably go, and I'm not sure he's a good scheme fit. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys are not hand on the ground rushers. Like, yeah, it's one thing to consider. That's what, like where Shaq Barrett's kind of a weird fit too. That from that perspective. Yeah, the point being that there's so many edge rushers on the market, even if they're not the fit for your team they're going to get signed and take other teams cap space mm -hmm. meaning that some of those other guys we're talking about are so um anyway jeff 
are there some names that you're like, or like, oh man, I'll, I'll at least breathe a sigh of relief if they do this. Uh, to me, I, we've talked about this already. It's Bulaga. Um, Conklin, I think there's just going to be a massive market for him. I think Bulaga, he interests me because of the pass protection. And we've talked about pass protection so many times over the years. And how many times last year did we hear that Green Bay was the number one pass protecting team? He was a huge part of that. And if you can have him and Dwayne Brown and good tight ends and you tra- potentially draft a receiver, to me that opens up so much of what you wanted to do. And look at how KC won. It's a sustainable way to play. On defense, kind of my favorite two guys out of the Clowney are probably not going to hit the market. I really Chris Jones, I think, is an incredible player. I think he's going to get franchised. And the guy from Jacksonville, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yannick. So, Yannick, yeah, Yannick. Um, I don't think he'll hit the market either. So if they don't get Clowney, the guys I like are Robert Quinn and Dante Fowler. I think they're both really, really good pass rushers. I think Fowler's starting to come on. I think Quinn's just a professional pass rusher. One of them would hurt the Rams, so I like that. And they're guys who I think would add speed. They'd add professional pass rushing. And I don't think they're going to cost insane amounts that it's going to still allow you to do other things. So I really like both those players. And I think they're realistic options if they don't get Clowney. So I think we have to, we we have to pause here for a minute. I think we are saying Yannick's name wrong. It's Yannick, right? Okay. I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I will promise to pronounce his name properly. If he signs with the Seahawks. I think it's Yannick. Yeah. Yannick and Gakwe. Yannick and Gakwe or Ngakwe. Ngakwe, I definitely got, but yeah. All right. I think we're ifetting this one pretty hard. Oh, so. no, we can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, you know, we, we already talked about tight end a fair amount. And our, our good friend, Evan Hill, who's off in Europe uh, drinking gallivanting and, and who knows what else. Um, Got called out by a certain uh, tight end in the NFC West. Uh, I assume you guys saw the the exchange between Mr. George Kittle and and uh, Evan on Twitter. No, I missed that. What happened? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask, Nathan, because uh, what happened was uh, I think Evan posted some kind of trolling comment about. Uh, George Kittle being the third best tight end in the NFC West. Yeah, it was after Olsen signed. And, and George Kittle actually responded um, saying something along the lines of, glad you've taken your account back to public, Evan. Uh, uh, I'm totally butchering it, but <laughs> something along those lines, calling out Evan. Um and Evan had his his a nice response, which we'll give him full credit for. Um, you know, trolling trolling Mr. Kittle back about being the second best tight end in the Super Bowl and not having a good quarterback to throw to him. But um, interesting, interesting enough because um, if I'm not mistaken, the last NFC West team to win a Super Bowl resides in Seattle. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that like the last NFC West team to win a Super Bowl in the last 20 or so years? Like the Rams in 99 would have probably been the last team before the Seahawks to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, they weren't even in the NFC West. 
So with that in mind, um, uh, let's wait, so they weren't in the NFC West. So who was it? Was it like Steve Young? It might have been. I mean, it's it's yeah, been it had to have been time. right. Yeah. Um. So I think it's worth talking taking a little bit of a, a tour around the NFC West. Last off season, if you guys remember, I was I was pretty concerned about the 49ers and that they were going to get their quarterback back from injury. They were going to get the second overall pick. They were going to have free agent money to spend. I thought they were going to get Earl Thomas. Uh, that, that didn't happen. They since spent, instead spent a lot of their money on Quan Alexander. Um, we can debate whether that was a good idea or not. But um, they ended up, you know, lapping the field essentially um, and won the division. Um, we also had talked about the Rams, and there, I think there was reason for belief that the Rams were going to take a step back. Um, there's the Super Bowl jinx about, you know, Super Bowl losers do not tend to do well the following year. The NFC West has had the Super Bowl loser the last two years, and the Rams certainly took a step back. As you guys look around the NFC West, um, let's go one by one, and let's you know, let's say buying or selling, and and buying is you believe this team is going to be better than it was last year, um, or at least as good. Um, selling is you think this team is going to take a step back. Um, and let's start with the Super Bowl losing NFC West champion, San Francisco 49ers. Do you think they're going to be as good or better next year? Buying or selling, Mr. Simmons? Selling. Selling San Francisco. I think they, the way the NFL set up is built to bring teams like this down. I think the only way to sustain really over time, if we've seen is quarterback play and I don't think their quarterback's very good, to be honest. And I think so many things went white for them. Now the schedule's going to get tougher. Teams are going to look at them differently. Sherman's getting older. I think it's going to be hard for them to sustain over time. Nathan, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the exact same on that. Between Garoppolo and, and guys like Sherman Aging, and um, I mean, it's just hard to do what they did two times in a row. They were really good and usually take a little bit of a step back. Interesting. I'm buying uh, the 49ers. Uh, I think that they're going to be as good as they were last year. I think that they, um, I think Nick Bosa is going to continue to get better. I think he was a force as a rookie and, and will continue to get better. I think they're secondary. They have some young players, Emmanuel Mosley, although he might be a free agent. They have like have 18 look, free agents. I don't know where they all are. And Armstead's one of them. They do have some cap issues. And so I think that it's likely that they lose Armstead, although there's a lot of folks saying that, you know, there's a couple cap cuts that they could make that will allow them to fit Armstead in. I don't know if they can, given the other contracts, the other people they're going to have to pay. They have Buck, Buckner coming up. Um, so I, I, I don't think Garoppolo sucks. I like making fun of him, but I think that he is a perfectly fine starting quarterback. Um, and I think that another year in the system should improve. I think Debo Samuel was a terrific rookie. And I think he, he's like a, a little bit more of an athletic Anquan Bolden. Like he is super um, tough and um, I, I think he'll continue to get better. Um, and I think they're, 
their running backs and an offensive line is is pretty solid. So I don't see the reason for them to take a meaningful step back next year as much as I'd like to say that they will. Um, I think the biggest reason might be, I mean, they honestly, they had pretty significant injuries last year as well. They lost a lot of guys to injury. Um, so much, so much went right for them. Well, say, say more about what went right for them. There was just, there were, so, we talked about one score games and refereeing calls and they played the fourth place schedule and they got Bosa and Samuel coming because they, now they're going to draft 31st. Now they have one pick in the first four rounds. They're going to start losing guys. It's really hard to maintain these teams. And you saw what happened to the Seahawks, who had maybe the best roster 2013, 2014, 2015 in the decade. And just they had so much hit at the same time where you had five defensive line talents and Fred Warner and all these guys. Each year it gets harder. And even if they drop back to 11 wins, that's still good, but that's three or two less than last year. And, you know, Garoppolo, like, yeah. <laughs> It feels like he's just finally burst onto the scene, but the dude's going to be going to turn 29 during the season. Like he is not a young player. I don't know how much better he's going to continue to get. They agree with that. I I don't necessarily think he's going to like make some huge leap, but I I do think a couple of years in a row in the system with the same coach, which he hasn't had for (laughs) a long time. I think there's some reason to expect he'll get a little bit better. Him getting better might just mean he makes fewer ridiculously stupid throws. I mean, he made some really face palming throws last year and and a lot of turnovers. I just, you mentioned Fred Warner. He's another guy. I think he might be, if not the best linebacker in football, like he's challenging for, for really coming up in that regard. Um, Like he's a playmaking I just I think they've got a lot of talent. I agree with both you guys that they had the most talent that they're going to have was last year. I agree with that. Um, and I would love to say that I think that they're due for a big step back. I I don't see it. So um, um, I guess I guess we'll 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 find that out. But I think I think they should be the odds-on favorite to win the NFC West again next year. Um, and, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Um, let's, let's move on to the last team to, to lose the Super Bowl before the 49ers, the the Los Angeles Rams. They did take a step back last year. They did get old. They lost some key players on their offensive line. Um, They've had issues with Todd Gurley's health and and whether he's any good to begin with and all that kind of Jared Goff and um, teams adjusting to their offense and them not adjusting back. Like, are you guys, again, let's go buying and selling. Nathan, are you buying or selling the Rams being better than they were last year? Uh, I think this is the hardest team to kind of figure out, but I'm, I'm buying on them a little bit. Um, they, they had a couple of bad breaks go against them. Um, and so I think that they could have easily been a playoff team last year. I don't think they were as bad as it kind of got made out to them, made out to be after how good they were the year before. Uh, so, yeah, I would, I would kind of anticipate them having uh, a better season than, than this year, but I, I don't know. They're going to get a lot better. How about you, Jeff? Is there an option of like staying the same or does it have to be one or the other? Buying means that they're going to be the same or better. 
I'm buying. I think they're somewhere around nine or 10 wins. I think they were nine wins this year. The tricky thing for them is they don't have a lot of draft picks. They don't have a lot of cap space and there's no, it's hard to see where they can get better other than guys on their team playing better. So Goff is probably going to play better than he did last year. Um, maybe Why there was that. Oh, I just thought he had crazy extremes last year between being like against the Seahawks. He looked pretty good, but against everyone else, he looked awful. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle of that, which overall will probably be a little bit better. Um, everywhere else, it's hard to imagine how they get better. That's the tricky thing about them. Cause I think I do like McVay as much as I joke about him. I like him a lot, but they don't have draft picks early on. They spent those on Ramsey. Uh, Whitworth is a free agent. They'll probably bring him back. But again, he he's, he looked old last year. Mm-hmm. And offensive line, that was their big issue. I don't know how they fixed that. And they lost Wade Phillips. So well, it sounds like they're trying to trade for Darius Slay. Yeah, that one did make sense to me. They're out right. of cap room. They don't have picks. They're going to trade. If they trade for Darius Slay and they end up with Slay and Ramsey at corner. You gotta pay Slay, right? It doesn't really make sense. They gotta be one of the more fascinating teams in the league, right? Hold on, we're getting some crazy audio from you. Is it better now? It is better now. Yes. I changed absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> uh, no, but they gotta be one of the more fascinating teams. Um, and it's kind of a fun thought experiment, I guess. To, or, and it's not a thought experiment. They're, they're literally doing it. Like, it always seems like players get traded for picks that are just, like, way too low. Like, Darius Slay's, what, maybe a third-round pick? And, and you know, Tyler Lockett was on Twitter the other day talking about how he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, like, maybe it is smart to just keep throwing these picks at established players uh but that you know between McVay being you know a, a really good offensive coach weighed down by Jared Goff their drafting or lack of drafting strategy like they're really interesting this could be a team that just like completely craters in two years and everybody gets fired and they are like borderline like uh relegated or <laughs> contracted like they or or maybe this will maybe they're uh, you know, crazy like a fox and still work out. Yeah, I I don't see Jared Goff getting better. I don't. I think Jared Goff is Jared Goff. And I think that when he's better is when the league can't defend McVay's offense well. Um, and when he's got a running game that can alleviate some of the pressure on his shoulders. So I... I have trouble buying this team. I'm selling the Rams. I think they're, they're likely going to lose Fowler. I think their offensive line, as you said, Jeff, took a major step back. It went from being the best offensive line in football the year before or close to it to being one of the worst. And I think that there's no reason to expect they're going to be any better this next year. Um, I mean, imagine if Whitworth goes down, which is super possible at 38 years old or whatever he's going to be. Um, and then Gurley, I don't think there's any reason to expect that he's going to be any better without a better offensive line in front of him. Um, 
they've got a new defensive coach coming in. So that's one thing that, I mean, maybe somebody will finally like build a defense that is dominant with a player like Aaron Donald and guys like Jalen Ramsey in it. Like that defense should be really good. Um, and they were okay last year, but uh, I mean, I like Corey Littleton. I think he's a good player. He's free agent. They got Littleton Fowler Brockers. They lost Weddle. There's it's a stars and scrubs model they have there. Yeah, I I don't think they can sign any of those guys. I I just don't see it. I mean, the the biggest the biggest upside is um, you know, uh, McVeigh. I mean, I think he's a smart coach. I think maybe he can come up with something that that helps them, you know, fool the league again, but. Those receivers are real good. They're pretty good. And I think um, uh, Gerald Everett is uh, a good tight end, as is Tyler Higby. Um, so, I mean, they, they definitely ha- – it's not that they're bad, but I think there's just as much of a chance, if not a greater chance, that they're going to take a step back again next year as take a step forward. Um, and, and I think offensive line and Jared Goff are like my – you know, evidence A and B. I just um, don't know where they get a lot worse. And, and I think no, I don't think a lot that, worse. Yeah, and so it, and I think that if Goff maybe throws, you know, four or five less picks, then you know, does this team get a little bit better if he can just kind of even out that way, even if he's not any better of a player? I don't know. Well, let's say he does, but let's say they lose Fowler and Littleton. Like, and so that they're giving up three or four more points a game. Like, That's why I kind of think they it kind of evens out. Yeah. I think right? they're an win team. It, it, I, Wade Phillips is a pretty damn good defensive coordinator historically. But see, this is another thing that's super interesting about them is they went out and they hired the Sean McVay of defense. Maybe he'll take the league by storm this year. Maybe. Maybe. And if he doesn't, I am sure that both you and Evan will be the first people to admit that Sean McVay is maybe not as, as uh, dominant as, as uh, some would like him to be considered. Yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> I think that might be his GM's fault. I, well, yeah, let's I mean, the it. whole, whatever happened with Phillips is uh, fascinating. Or, I, I mean, I assume, I don't know. Something had to have happened. There it's really weird. Story. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, and and I think that, I mean, McVeigh has got to be involved with some of those decisions they're making personnel-wise because, I mean, he, he not only signed off on Jared Goff getting that contract, but he signed off on Blake Bortles being the backup. So, like, I, I don't know. There's something, there's something not quite right going on there. Um, maybe we'll find out there's like a – Tim Ruskell, Mike Holmgren, like feud going on in the front office that we don't know about now. But I look, the Rams will probably beat the Seahawks regardless of how good they are, um, just because of the way McVeigh owns Carroll um, the last few years. But I don't, I don't think there's a reason that the 49ers should be worried about the Rams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, what about what about the Cardinals? What about the Cardinals? Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the guess 
that both of you guys are buying the Cardinals. You think that they'll be better next year than they were last year. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where they win like four games. It's a safe bet. See, uh, there we go again with the cosmonaut stuff. Maybe just plug your headset. Is it is it safer that you're you need your headset? No. Is I it better just... now? It is. Okay. I also changed nothing that time. So <laughs> um you're scaring the hell out of uh our, our chat people. They're like, Oh my god, that's really Darth Vader. Um, they think you're a Russian cosmonaut. So I'm uh, trying to recreate that one time that I got the super low, weird voice the whole time. <laughs> that was the best night of the season. Um, so I guess the question is, how good do you think the Cardinals, how much of a leap do you think the Cardinals can make? Um, Kyler Murray was pretty good as a rookie. Um, they started, to, their offensive line started to actually gel a little bit. They just signed DJ Humphreys. Uh, to a, a deal and people are making fun of him, but Humphreys actually started playing reasonably well last year. Um, quietly. Uh, they've got some talent on defense, Buda Baker legit. Um, uh, obviously Chandler Jones is a handful. Where are they at in terms of draft picks? Do you guys know? Obviously they're going to have a top draft pick this year, but do they have a large number? I would assume. I don't know, but I don't recall them having been stockpiling or anything like that. I'll, I'll do a quick search. But, I mean, just on the on the surface, do you guys feel like the Cardinals can go – can they get to 500 this year? Are they, like, 7-9? and nine? Like, what's a reasonable expectation for the Cardinals this year? Uh, the Cardinals have 11 picks this year. Uh, I don't know where they fall. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm, I'm hoping for 500. Um, it's a tough division. Uh, and I, I don't think that they're really quite there yet in terms of being ready to take any kind of a leap, a, a major leap into the playoffs or anything like that. So, yeah, I think 500 is is reasonable. I think 500 is probably their ceiling. I think somewhere in like the six win range is probably more realistic just because of how hard this division is. But I really do like Kyler a lot. I think he's really, really good. And I think their offense is a really, really good fit for him. I think people don't realize how good Kyler was last year. And he was working, as you said, with a pretty bad offensive line. They're going to have a top 10 pick this year, which a lot of people think they'll take one of the big receivers. So if you add a receiver to that offense, just so many of their core players are older. Larry Fitzgerald and Patrick Peterson and David Johnson's kind of falling off the face of the earth. So that's a horrible contract, but it's hard to imagine them taking like a San Francisco leap unless they have like an insane draft, but they're getting better and they beat the Seahawks with Brett Hundley. So there's some talent there, but I don't think they had, there's enough there quite yet, but I think there's a lot of reasons why they're moving up. Their quarterbacks are really good and he's cheap and they have decent money they can spend. Yeah, they've got seventy-four million in cap space. Um, they've got the, a bunch of those picks. Um, they've got the sixth pick overall. Um, I, I lied, actually. Yeah, they, they have seven picks in the twenty twenty draft. They had eleven in twenty nineteen. I, I got them. I got them with much less cap space. I got them at thirty-nine million. Huh. I must be reading a. Boy, if only they had the picks in cap space, we thought they did. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, well, in any event, yeah, I'm going to take a quick look and, and double check, but I think you're probably right, Jeff. Um, so, I mean, they are going to have the sixth overall pick. I do know that. Um, they've drafted terribly. So it will be interesting to see what they do with these picks now that they don't have the number one. They wasted that pick on Rosen. He's gone already. They haven't drafted well in a while. So yeah, so they have they have 39 million, 40 million in cap spaces, as I think you're saying. Yeah, which is kind of surprising given how young their team is. Well, it's it's it is interesting. I mean, the Seahawks at right now, 50 million in effective cap space are tops in the NFC West. Um they're paying a quarterback like 30 million versus a rookie deal. So that's right. a- the Cardinals are next at 39 million. Then the 49ers are at 12. Or sorry, the the Rams are at 14 and the 49ers are at 12. So from a cap spending, from a free agency perspective, the Seahawks certainly should be the most active NFC West team in free agency. And that's without any cap cuts. Um, draft pick wise, I'm pretty sure the Seahawks have more draft picks than any other team in the NFC West. Like the Niners only have one in the first four rounds and the Seahawks have five. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure. So like on one hand, this is time to be excited as a Seahawks fan. This is an off season that should be active. There should be a lot to talk about. There should be a lot going on. Um, uh, but it's also a little concerning, right? Like <laughs> this is, this is the off season that will decide how the Seahawks perform for the next three or four years. Uh, I think this is going to make a break whether the Seahawks ceiling is, you know, going to be back where we, we all want it to be. Um, all right. So we've gone through the NFC West. Uh, last thing I kind of ask there is, where, you know, given the, the, the state of the rosters now, the cap space, the draft picks, everything you know about the teams, what's the order you're expecting the NFC West next year? Like, what's your – before the offseason really kicks in, before the moves are made, where are you expecting the, the teams to fall next year? Jeff, we'll start with you. I'll do it. I'll – I'll go Seahawks one, even in a year where everything went right for the 49ers and the Seahawks were wonky with point differential. We've argued about the talent of their roster. They still have probably the best quarterback in the NFC. Even whoa, the- whoa, whoa, probably. Okay. Oh, and then NFC, 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 sorry, NFC, I think you said NFC, NFC West, and I was like, let's fight about it. Uh, okay, no, no, all right, all right. Okay. If that sorry, happened, sorry. kick me off the podcast. <laughs> that would be the dumbest thing ever. Um, <laughs> they probably have the best quarterback in the NFC, probably second best in the whole league. Um, so even in the year where things went crazy, they still were one yard away from winning the division. So I think as San Francisco goes down, Seattle should go up. So I think Seattle does leap them this year. I think San Francisco's two Rams, three Cardinals, four. Interesting. Nathan, where are you? Uh, it's the worst bet to make because the NFL is so weird, but I think it just ends the same way. Um, Niners one, Seahawks two, Rams, and then uh, and then Cardinals. Um, I think if there's gonna be a difference, maybe the Cardinals jump the Rams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's gonna be some shifts in records, uh, but I don't know that the actual ordering will change at all. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, I think there's a twenty to thirty percent chance that the Seahawks leapfrog the 49ers. Like, I'm the optimistic one now. God. Yeah, I, I think. Well, and I mean, I think that's pretty optimistic. I think, I think, I think the talent gap was pretty significant last year between the Seahawks and the 49ers. And the Seahawks, as much as we're excited about them having cap space and draft picks, part of the reason they have the cap space is because they're losing pretty much everybody. <laughs> like their defensive linemen that they have left on the team right now are like uh, uh, Puna Ford, Raheem. Green, Rasheem Green, uh, you know, Nazir Jones off of IR. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty thin, dudes. Uh, you know, they have to sign a lot of players just to field a team. Um, but if they if they have if they have an A or A minus offseason, it's gonna be hard for the 49ers to have an A offseason. And so in that, if you can get the Seahawks to be within you know, I don't know. It, it, if, the, if the 49ers were like a nine talent wise out of 10 and the Seahawks were like a six, six and a half last year, um, maybe seven. Um, I think you can get to where I don't think this, the 49ers are going to get above nine. They might even slide back to eight and a half. And I think uh, I think the Seahawks could get up to that level. And if they're even close, I think, you know, I like I like what Russell Wilson and 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 Pete Carroll could do with that team so um it's it's also so hard to recover from losing the super bowl it is no one has come back from that but at least they didn't lose it in heartbreaking fashion (laughs) you know it would really suck if your quarterback missed a wide open player for you know the win or something like that can't can't relate at all to a bone 10 point lead in the super bowl yeah yeah so uh, all right. Well, I think with that, we'll probably wrap for the night. Um, uh, closing comment I'll ask for the two of you is your reaction to the news that it sounds like the, the NFL is going to add a playoff team and that the two seed will no longer have a buy that only the number one seed will have a buy in the playoffs for folks that aren't following this new CBA is getting negotiated and these are, uh, heavily publicized rumors that are coming out of it. Um, Jeff, what do you, what do you think about that? I don't love the seventh team. I, I really like the NFL playoffs as is. I think it's one of the best parts of what they do. I think one of like the, the NBA in the first round, eight teams get in and it kind of waters it down. If you look at like the records of the seven seeds, it hasn't been great. Even in the AFC, a lot of teams that are making it as the sixth seed. It's always that crappy first playoff game. So I don't love it. And the thing I don't love from the Seahawks perspective is we've talked their division's so good. So getting that buy is so going to be so hard for them over the next couple of years, just because of how good this division is relative to other divisions. And in this new format, the number one seed is such an advantageous position compared to the one and the two buys. And the Seahawks have only made the Super Bowl when they've been the number one seed. So it just becomes so important to get that number one seed. And with these six games a year against these teams, it's really an unfair advantage for some of the other NFC teams that I really don't like from a Seahawks perspective. Yeah. It's an interesting point about how tough the Seahawks division is. Um, that's probably why I was bringing up the Cardinals is even if they go from, you know, one of the worst records in the league to being close to 500, 
that's, I mean, those are, those are going to be tough games. Every game in the division is going to be a tough game. Um, unlike, you know, maybe some in the uh, AFC East, for example, how about you, Nathan, uh, any, any reaction to, to some of that news? Uh, I, I actually don't care about that seventh team so much. Um, kind of, uh, what, what I don't like is taking away the, the buy from the, the number two seed. I mean, I guess I probably have a different perspective on the playoffs where I think there's a lot more chaos and luck involved there than I think maybe some people who think that, you know, the, whoever wins the Super Bowl is clearly the best team and, uh, or whatever. But we, we would have had a scenario where the seventh team that would have gotten us the Steelers and Duck Hodges playing against the Chiefs. And what if something stupid happens and the Steelers beat the Chiefs? And now instead of what ended up being an amazing kind of run for the Chiefs and some great games and then a great Super Bowl, you get an extra Duck Hodges game. Uh, I don't know how it makes the playoffs more enjoyable. I mean, for the most part, there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. A lot of teams all kind of get pushed to the middle. And so I don't know that you're it's not like it's not like the uh, NBA where <laughs> there are some truly atrocious teams that are making the playoffs in the East and you know, you talk about adding another one and you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I don't know. It just, it just opens up opportunities to lose the second best team in a conference right off the bat. And I don't think that makes your playoffs better. Yeah. I, <laughs> this might be crazy, but I was a little surprised. They didn't just go to eight teams and have a true wild card weekend where the first weekend was just wild card teams playing each other. See, that would be awesome. I, I would be way more into that. Let yeah, the wildcard like teams fight it out and give the division winners a bye. Right. Like that that made sense to me. Like I always kind of it always seemed a little weird that two division winners like got screwed. Like, does it really matter if you won your division that that I don't know. Anyway, I, I thought that would make more sense. Um the seven team is just weird. Like, is there any other league? that has an uneven number of teams make the playoffs. Baseball's playoffs are weird now, but they're fun. They're fun. Weird. Yeah. Baseball is five. I think now they're dumb. Weird, but they're fun. Weird. I stopped watching baseball. I have to admit. I mean, I, I can't, I just can't with baseball right now. I don't have time for that. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for, for, uh, uh, coming in and talking some Hawks. Uh, we've got the combine next week. Is that right? Um, so we'll start seeing some draft prospects next time that we are back. We'll be in two weeks. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, who won the underwear Olympics and what we think of, uh, any of those players for the Seahawks, um, and talk about draft priorities. We've talked a lot about free Asian priorities, talk about draft priorities. And, um, who knows, there might be some other news trades or yeah. otherwise. He going and John on. are going to speak for the first time since the, oh, yeah. So yeah, you get, you, get, you get the Indianapolis press conference from those two. And who knows, there might be some good pictures that emerge of Pete or John taking their shirts off, which seems to happen every other offseason for one of them. So uh, that's always worth tuning in for. Um, if you haven't already, please join over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, I was just talking to uh, Connie over at the Seahawks, um, getting ready for our donation this year. Uh, they're excited. We're excited. Um, we're on track. So really appreciate your support through the off season. It matters. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, it's a click, click. You'll get notified whenever we post a new video. 
um, or on Spotify or on iTunes or all those types of places. And if you can't do any of those things, leave a review, leave a comment, uh, like the video. We, we appreciate all that. So uh, thanks to all of you. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk Seahawks and draft. Um, and for now, good night and go hot.